So yeah, so yeah, so we're going to start this uh, this new series. And if uh, you are new here today, uh, I just want to encourage you, uh, whether you've been here a hundred times or whether this is your first time, I just think this is an amazing space where we can come together and uh, we can get before the Word of God and we can receive what He wants to say to us. And uh, the the main thrust of this. Uh, series story time uh, is about the power and impact of your story the power and impact of your story so we're going to be looking it's going to be a four-week series I'm going to kick it off today and we're going to look at stories uh, next week we got Esther Skulls coming and she's going to be talking about uh, like the power of telling our story and uh, there's a verse in Psalm that says let the redeemed of the Lord tell the story and she's going to be unpacking that and looking at what that means for us then the final two weeks, we're actually going to put this into practice and demonstrate what that looks like. I'm going to be taking the third slot and I'm going to be preaching my story. Uh, so that isn't just like giving a testimony, but that's like bringing some things that God's taught me in my life uh, and sort of demonstrating what story time looks like. And then Pat's going to be closing out the, the series, doing the same thing. He's going to be preaching his story. And um, it'll all be made clear, but I'm so excited for this. And uh, my heart for this is that this will equip and inspire you to go and take your story to people. And uh, I want to just demonstrate just the power of that. And uh, I think if we, can, if we can really capture this as a church, I think it will revolutionize the spheres that we live in, whether it be work, whether it be family, whether it be friends or whatever. Uh, so I think this is going to be um, a fruitful series for us. So get praying into it, uh, get taking notes, uh, get listening and re-listening to the podcasts, and uh, again, that's the crazy thing. There's people all over the place listening to what goes on in this room. Like, what, what an amazing impact. Um, but I'm just going to read. If you've got your Bibles with you this morning, let's turn to Psalm 71, verses 15 to 18. I'm going to be reading it out anyway, so don't worry. <clears throat> Psalm 71, verses 15 to 18. It says, My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long. Though I do not know how to relate to them all, I will come and I will proclaim your mighty acts, Sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteous deeds, yours alone. Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. So that's Psalm 71, 15 to 18. We're going to jump into this. We're going to look at the power and impact of your story. But let me pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this gathering this morning. I thank you that your presence is here, that you're already speaking, you're already moving. And God, I pray that this wouldn't be a morning of knowledge. It wouldn't be a morning where we just get inspired or uplifted and we leave and uh, we go back to exactly how things were before. But God, let this be a morning of transformation. Let it be a morning where you work in our lives, you work in our hearts this morning. Let us leave this place different than we walked in. God, I pray that you would speak through me. Holy Spirit, come and mess up my notes. Come and mess up my agenda, my plan. And come and speak in a way that only you can speak this morning. We just give you this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So stories, stories are powerful. Uh, they have the ability to unite people. They have the ability to divide people. Uh, they have the ability to attack and defend, and they have the ability to inspire people. Uh, they have the uh, ability to bore people. Uh, they carry a lot of power. 
I remember when I was, I must have genuinely been like five or six years old, and uh, I loved stories. I'd always be telling stories and, uh, and just like picking things up. And I remember a little group of friends at school, and uh, I, I, again, I was like five or six years old, and I remember gathering a little crew of friends and uh, just telling them the story of like, you know, like when you uh, have like a little SWAT team like where the police come in and they, they kind of like take care of everything. And I remember we used to like do this like imaginary thing and we talk about it and all this sort of stuff. And, and it was kind of like we were just, we used to like change the way it would work and we'd like, you know, add bits to it, take bits out of it and just create this amazing story that we'd all be part of every break and lunch. And uh, I remember there was like a little bit of a problem with bullying when I was in school, not on me, um, but just like in, in the year group. And I kind of saw this. And then thinking about these stories that we came up with, I was like, hmm, why can't we do this for real? So I went home and uh, I opened the old Microsoft Publisher, RIP. Does that thing exist? No. I opened up Publisher and I made like a little business card little logo, a little business card, and I called it the PPI, right? Which I know now is something different, but it wasn't back then. <laughs> I should have trademarked it. So I made a little thing called the PPI, right? And these were the playground police inspectors. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Uh, we made the, I made a business card, right? The playground police inspectors. I printed off eight of them. I selected eight of my toughest mates. Gave him a card. Obviously, mine said chief on it. Gave him a card. And, uh, and we'd gather, and we'd gather and talk about it. And we would walk around the playground enforcing a non-bullying policy. Now, anyone that was bullying, yeah, that deserves a clap right there. Come on. Nah, I, uh, we, uh, we would, like, enforce this, like, non-bullying thing. Now, I gained some speed. Like, we even got up at the front of assembly and, like, we are PPI. And like, we were going for it. Like, people loved it. Until like, I think, in hindsight, I do think we became a bit of a mob. Because actually what happened is, we just ended up like, going for the kid that was bullying the other kids. So in other words, we were just like an organized bullying crime unit. But you see, like, stories have the unique ability to like, create really random situations. Like to unite people over a common purpose. Or to inspire people into action. And uh, just like when I was a kid, uh, this story just caught hold of us and some, something crazy happened and we made this little mini movement or mob or mafia, whatever you want to call it. And uh, you see in this passage we read out, David, the psalmist, he really understands this. He understands the power of story. He says time and time again, like, I will declare all of the marvelous things you've done in my life. I will proclaim all the amazing things you've done for me and you've done in and around me. Like he understands the power of a story. Bear with me this morning. We're going to dive into like five minutes of some like teaching, okay? We're going to jump into some like some teaching. So if you don't get it, it's all cool. It's only going to last five minutes. But why stories? Like why is it that stories are important for us? What is it about stories that actually help capture something inside of us? I think let's start with God. God is a master storyteller. It's in his nature. It's his essence. Like if we look at the Bible, there's a fancy word called a meta-narrative. It just means the big story. 
Okay, from Genesis right the way through to Revelation, there is a big story going on. You can track it. You see it goes from like, like Abraham to generations. That's called the meta-narrative, when like something bigger is going on than just like the micro story you're reading. Or it might be like from Israel through to anyone who accepts Jesus, like the big universal. Like there's a book, Will and Josh Atkins will understand this one from uni. Uh, and it's a, a guy called Richard Balcom. He talks about um, the roll in their eyes because it is a tough book. Uh, he talks about this idea of the universal, the particular to the universal. Uh, God is all about going from the particular to the universal. These big overarching stories. It's in his nature. And then you just look at the whole Bible. It's just a collection of stories, of narratives, of things to help capture us. Like God is often like attributed the creator. Like he creates and he tells. And there's verses all through the Bible like the stars will tell of his goodness. Like God weaves stories in and through everything. And then let's just go to us for a second. Psalm 139 says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Like we are complex. We have body systems like systems we don't even understand yet. Like, we don't understand our brains. Do I think that's incredible? We don't even understand what is in our very own head. Like, we're complex. We have all this, these things going on inside of us that we aren't even conscious of. I read a study recently, and it was conclusive. Listen to this, that when a person hears facts... It activates like data processing neurons in their brain. But when a person hears a story, it activates sensory neurons in their head. So like if you were to sit in like a, in a brain scan and see parts of the brain that were lighting up, when someone hears a fax, you just see little dots. But when someone hears a story, the whole thing lights up. It's crazy. Honestly, you should check it out. A study in Princeton University. Uh, I'm going to read some quotes from this because I'll get there. This is super, super interesting. Listen to this. A Princeton uh, psychological, and this is like the, the study's name, it was the psychological study into neural coupling. Right? Listen to this. This is what they concluded. Story evoked highly reliable activity in many brain areas. The findings shown indicate that during successful communication, speaker and listener's brains ex- exhibit joint temporary coupled response patterns. In other words, the listener's brain mirrors the speaker's brain just for a short period of time. So our brains, when we hear a story, place us into the story. Listen to this, another quote from that study. It says, in other words, your brain reacts as if you are experiencing it for yourself. Like, this is the human body. Like, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So when someone's telling a story, the person listening to it, because we're empathic beings. Now, obviously, this doesn't work if you're a sociopath or a psychopath. Okay, because you're incapable of empathy. So if you're thinking like, nah, I just don't feel it, like, okay. <laughs> I'll see you after. Right. So when you're listening to a story, actually something that you're not even aware of is going on in your brain. And you actually, your brain as a listener starts to mirror that of the teller. Like you start to experience as though you've experienced what the story is firsthand. I think this is incredible. Now, this puts into perspective our stories, right? About how Jesus has changed our life. Listen to this, right? On a physiological level, we as Christians 
can help people who have never met Jesus, only on a physiological level. They can experience what transformation feels like for a brief moment. So when you tell your story about how Jesus has radically shifted your life from darkness into light, from death into life, guess what? The person listening to that with some form of empathy inside of them is feeling what you feel. And when they walk away, they've had a taste of what transformation feels like. Okay, on a physiological level. Now they know that they're missing something. Now they know that there is something more to life than what they have already encountered. I think this is astonishing. So we as Christians can help people encounter Jesus on a physical level by telling our stories. This is why this series is so important. This is why the Bible has, has so much emphasis on story. It's wired into us. Story captivates us. Story gets to a place in us that just mere facts and well-rounded arguments never will. But why is it that sometimes we really struggle as Christians to share our story? Often we over-formalize it, don't we? We start going down the line of like argument and doctrine. And, and that is important, by the way. Like I'm a, I'm a big advocate. You've got to know what you believe. We as a church have to know what we believe. We want to be grounded. We want to have depth. All right? But when we're sharing our story, Maybe it's your friends at work. Maybe it's even your family. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's, uh, you know, your kids. And so often we jump straight away, don't we, to like, oh, okay, um, okay, this is what Jesus did, and this is like what he did in the Bible, and read this passage, and you should try reading, like, and I, you know what, I tell people to read the Bible. But you know what? Maybe let's start with just telling simply people how Jesus has changed our lives. Sharing with people the fact that, hey, I once was this, and now I'm this. And people can see it on your face, and they can experience it inside them. I think there's three myths, actually, that we buy into as Christians as to why we don't tell our story. As to why we over-formalize, and we, you know, we have that script in our mind of when someone asks why we're a Christian, and we just give them the, you know, like, Jesus died for us, and God loves us, and he has a plan, and all that stuff is amazing. I do it all the time. But actually, maybe we need to start telling our stories. Here are some myths that we buy into. Three myths. First one, telling our story is too painful. You might feel like, ah, oh, my story is just like messy and painful. And you know what? It's easy. I just draw a line and just tell people of the person I am now. And like leave all that back there. Don't really want to dig into it. And I'm just going to go forward from here. Okay. I've seen that often. Second myth we buy into. Telling my story makes it all about me. So I've heard this. I don't want to tell my story because it's about Jesus. It's not about me. That's a myth we buy into. We're going we're gonna to dig into these in a second. Third one. My story is boring and unimpressive. I've been there. Like, yeah, my story's pretty boring. Like, I don't really have a big transformation thing, you know. You know, the funny thing is, when you say that to people, they're like, you know, we just learned about the whole neural, neural coupling thing. They're, they're experiencing your like, yeah. Yeah, so remember that. Three myths. Telling my story is too painful. Telling my story makes it all about me. And thirdly, my story is impressive. I want to address these three myths this morning. 
And uh, we're not going to we're not going to unpack a passage. We're not going to go through some big study. But we're going to address these three myths, and we're going to back it up with scripture. And hopefully, we'll leave this place this morning with those myths left on the ground, because uh, I think our stories have power and impact. Waiting to he- people are waiting to hear it. Okay, let's address that first myth of my story is too painful. First thought, your story can either be a monument of your pain or a trophy of your transformation. Your story can either be a monument of your pain or a trophy of your transformation. Mark 2 verses 11 to 12 is going to be a key verse for this. But let me give you some context. We looked at it a little bit last week with Dan. So this is a story. Jesus is teaching in a house. Loads and loads of people have heard about Jesus. They're coming to see what he's about. The house is packed full. Four friends come with their mate who is paralyzed because they think Jesus might be able to help him. So what they do is they try and get in, but the place is too full. They go up onto the roof. They start digging a hole in the roof. They lower their mate down right in front of Jesus, and he's uh, led on the floor. And then we pick up in this, right? So Jesus obviously deals with the Pharisees in that situation. He says, like, hey, I'm going to forgive his sins that causes some controversy because like only God can forgive sins and like you don't look like God to me and uh, Jesus kind of like reads their thoughts and then we pick up here listen to this Mark 2 11 to 12 he says I tell you get up take your mat and go home he got up took his mat and walked out in full view of them all this amazed everyone and they praised God saying we have never seen anything like this before Okay, let's think about this for a second. A man has been paralyzed his entire life. He gets lowered down. Jesus says, your sins are forgiven, but he's still laid on the floor. He hasn't been healed yet. Then Jesus says, in view of everyone, take up your mat, get up and go home. So this man picks up his mat and goes home. Now, let's think about this for a second. The man has been paralyzed his entire life. That mat could have been a symbol of the pain he's experienced his entire life. He could have gone, he could have thrown it in the bin and thought, I never want to see that again. I am so thankful that now I can walk. I don't want to think about how horrible those years were. Or that mat could have been his proudest possession. In fact, he he could have even put that mat up on his wall so that every single person that came into his house said, what's that? He says, let me tell you what Jesus has done for me. That mat could have been something that reminded him of his pain. Or it could have been something that actually reminded him that Jesus set him free from something. Okay, that mat could have been a monument of all that was wrong. All that shouldn't have happened. All of like the injustice and the pain and the heartache. And, and just the years of like depression and all the stuff. I think it's significant Jesus says, take up your mat. In other words, take this with you. Always remember the goodness of God. Always remember that this mat is now a trophy of your transformation. I don't know about you. You may have lived a very, very difficult life. In fact, you might be in a season of your life right now that's very, very difficult. And you're struggling. And you've gone through this journey and you've, you've gotten to this place and you just think, I don't even want to think about it. I don't want to open that season. I, I, I just don't think I can't face that one. You know, because some of us have crazy stories. Some of us have lived crazy lives. 
But I want to encourage you this morning. Your story can stand as a trophy of all that Jesus can do in your life. You know, don't, don't let the enemy hold your story. Don't let it be hidden away in the background somewhere. Don't let it just sit there and gather some dust in the back of your mind, always playing on the way you react to life and the way that you process things and the thing you only think about late at night when you're laid in bed, not able to sleep. I don't know about you, but the, the God I read about in the Bible is a redeemer. And he wants to redeem your broken story. And he wants to use it for something amazing. But you know, you have to give it to him. Jesus says, take up your mat and go. And what happened? This amazed everyone and they praised God. Saying, we have never seen anything like this before. You know, when people walk into your house and sit at your table, you can either say, yeah, life's great. Like, Jesus is amazing. He's done incredible things in my life. I'm so blessed. Like, you need to meet Jesus. Or you can say, actually, my life was a mess. Things didn't go how I planned. Obviously, if this is your story, then you can say this. So don't go making up a story. But the power of that, of showing people Jesus' transformational power, is significant. Your story can either be a monument of your pain or a trophy of your transformation. The choice is yours. Are you going to allow God to redeem your broken story? Or are you just going to keep it in the background, ashamed and hiding it away? A monument or a trophy. Second myth is that my story makes it all about me. Let me address this. Your story is never about you. No one marvels at Picasso's paintbrush. Okay? No one marvels at Picasso's paintbrush. You think about this, okay? So Picasso paints these, painted these amazing pictures and uh, world-renowned, sold for, for millions. No one looks at his paintbrushes and goes, wow, look at those paintbrushes. There's some real special paintbrushes. In fact, I actually think when you look at Picasso's paintbrushes, you would more so think, he painted that with these? Now, this spoke to me on a deep level when I, when I was thinking this through, right? When, when people look at us, when people look at who we are, we are broken, we fall short. Guess what people see? God made beauty with that? That's our story. So actually, no one marvels at Picasso's paintbrush. Actually, the more we put ourselves out there and say, Jesus did this through me, guess what happens? They marvel at the painter. So your life actually is a giant arrow to the creator, to the restorer, to the redeemer, to the person that actually transformed you, the person that saved you. So when we go around and say, like, I don't want to tell my story, actually, it makes it about me. This is about Jesus. You know, the best way you can represent that say, look what Jesus has done for me. There's a passage in the Psalms, I think it's 66, verse 6. And um, David says something like, all of you, come to me and let me tell you what God has done. Now, that is a spirit right there in it. Like he wants to gather people. 
He wants to pull people together and say, hey, everyone, come in, come in, come in. Let me tell you what God has done for me. Your story is never about you. Like genuinely, imagine if we tell our story like, oh, so I was actually like really caught up in this. I struggled with this for years. And Jesus took me from this place. And he gave me hope. And he restored me. He gave me friends. He gave me a community. He put me in this amazing church. You think people are going to be like, wow, you are amazing. Like, they just won't. Like, they just won't. Like, if you say to them, this is what Jesus has done in my life, they go, I want to meet the guy that did that. Now, I think that's a powerful metaphor about the paintbrush, eh? Like, you look at the Picasso's pictures, and you look at his paintbrushes. And you say, he made that with those. And I think that is our story. And what a story to have. Yeah. God did this with this. Like, God helped all those people with this. You know what? I think when people realize their own brokenness, they begin to relate. Like, oh, so he can use me too. I, I thought I was like too insecure to be like used by God. I didn't think I was, more, I was talented enough to be used by God. I didn't think I was like impressive enough or like, you know, good enough or even like lovable enough to be used by God. You know, when we start telling our stories, people start to catch it. He did that with this. Your story is never about you. Listen to this, Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and what glorify your Father in heaven. Let people watch your life, hear your story, and glorify your Father in heaven. Glorify the one that did it. Glorify the one that saved you, that redeemed you, that gave you hope, that gave you purpose, that gave you life, that gave you freedom. That's what happens. So let's just like throw this second myth to the ground that telling your story makes it about you. Telling your story does not make it about you. Telling your story points to the one who did it. I want to encourage you, share your story. So, your story can either be a monument of pain or a trophy of transformation. Secondly, your story is never about you. And thirdly, this is the final myth. My story is boring and or unimpressive. Listen to this. Your story is a real-time demonstration of the goodness of God. You're still living your story right now. How many... Uh, Jump into like a passage in John. Okay, it's a, it's a story you may have heard before. And uh, Jesus knows these two women, Mary and Martha. And uh, Mary and Martha have a brother called Lazarus. And Lazarus gets sick and he dies. Now Jesus knew Lazarus really well. And he was like a fond friend of Lazarus. And when Jesus found out that Lazarus had died, he was really good. But he traveled and he goes and he meets them. Long story short. Jesus calls Lazarus out of the grave. Now, he'd been in there a while. Calls Lazarus out of the grave. He raises Lazarus from the dead, and Lazarus comes walking out, dressed in his, like, grave clothes. Like, if you ever woken up from a nap, and you feel like, where am I? Like, what happened? Like, I'd be like that to the max, wouldn't I? Like, whoa, why am I in a cave? Like, what happened? And, like, everyone's crying and celebrating, and you're like, 
you know, because like one minute he was sick and then he's dead and now he's fine and he's like in front of a load of people. You ever thought how strange that story is? So all the Pharisees start to see what is going on. They're watching this whole thing unfold. They watch Jesus call Lazarus out, takes off his grave clothes and gets going with his day. And uh, this is what the Pharisees say. John eleven forty eight. This is what they say. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. Okay, this is the response to that miracle called up in the Pharisees. If we let him go on like this, people will start to believe in him. <laughs> Your story is a real-time demonstration of the goodness of God. Okay, So that means people are watching. They're listening. They're watching how you react in life when things get difficult. They're watching like what's going on. Actually, you are a living story of the goodness of God. You are a living story of the faithfulness of God. Your life as you go about your every day is a living reminder to the enemy that he has not won. Your daily life as you walk around, as you do dishes, as you speak to your friends, as you go to work, as you drive your car. Hmm. That's a funny one, isn't it? The way we drive. Hmm. The, you going about your daily life is a living reminder that God is still active and He is all-powerful. So you think, actually, my story's been pretty boring. Like I, I just kind of like grew up in church and cracked on and now I'm like here. Because in some ways, like, I for a long time thought that was my testimony. You've heard it, haven't you? Like, I remember being in a meeting and, like, a guy was like, yeah, I was a drug dealer. And I was, like, killing people. And, like, that guy owned a dinosaur. Like, Like, I pretty much, you know, like, invented bread and stuff. And, like, but now I'm here and Jesus saved me and I'm a monk. And I used to sit there. I used to sit there and think, like, well, my story is so boring. Like, I invent no bread and I'm not a monk and like I didn't sell drugs and stuff like that. I don't even know why I don't know where you'd start if I wanted to. Like I haven't been on that journey. You know what I mean? Like, I used to just sit there in these meetings and be like, oh I wish I had some mad story. Like maybe I don't go out and create a mad story, like it's all for Jesus. Like, like kicking people in the street and nah, my story was just faithfulness. My story was just God had his hand on me from the beginning. Like, he sustained me through times I shouldn't have made it. And he held my faith when times where it was really shaky. And from the beginning, I just carried on going. Carried on going. I'm still here. And it's interesting because our story is a real-time demonstration of who God is in your life. Whatever your story is, mine's one of faithfulness. God has been faithful to me from the day I was born. For you... Your life might be the living demonstration that God is not finished with people that think they are down and out. Uh, your, your story might be like crazy and amazing. But guess what? Your life screams of what Jesus has done in and through you. And guess what? Your story captures that. So don't ever tell yourself that your story is boring Unimpressive, insignificant, your story is your story. And guess what? It is a living evidence to the enemy that he cannot go any further. 
You are evidence in your workplace of the goodness of God. You are evidence in your family of the faithfulness of God. Whatever your story is, and I think this is amazing, Jesus raises a guy from the dead. And immediately we got to stop this. Lazarus is walking around and he is living evidence of the power of God. That's his story. Like, hey, I was dead. Like, if I was in a meeting and someone said that, like, yeah, I died. And I was, like, dead for a bit. And I came back. Like, Jesus, like, brought me back from the dead. Like, that's his story. I want to encourage you this morning. What is your story of what Jesus has done in your life? Because your life right now is a living demonstration of that. Side note challenge. What is it you are presenting to people in your workplace, in your family? Are you presenting that demonstration? Are you living that demonstration out? Or are we just settling for going through the motions? Kind of just, yeah. And people look at you and say, well, yeah, I get they're a Christian, but like I don't see a whole lot of that. Kind of just, they just seem like average to me. Or do they see it like brimming out of you? Do they just say something different about them? And they ask what it is and you share your story. This is what Jesus has done in my life. Just an encouragement. What is it we are, we are putting on show? What is it that we are telling people? So your story can either be a monument of pain or a trophy of your transformation. Your story is never about you. And your story is a real-time demonstration of the goodness of God. I want to uh, get the band up just before I come in to close. You see, so often in our own lives, we, we buy into these myths. And actually, it stops us from sharing our story. You know, as we enter into this series, as we start journeying through what this could look like. My encouragement, my challenge for you this morning is are you willing to tell your story? Because you don't know the power and the impact of your story, of what it can do in people, of who it can point to. Some of you might be in this room and actually you've never, you've never thought about this before. You... You've actually been in a place where you've never really entered into that relationship with Jesus. And you think, well, I don't really have the story because, like, he really kind of hasn't changed me. I don't know. I'm not, it's the first time hearing this. I want to offer a challenge for you this morning. Your story is still being written. And whatever has gone before, whatever happened yesterday, last night, this morning, from this moment on, your story is still being written. You have an opportunity to decide what that looks like. Are you going to give your story, give your life over to God and say, God, I hear these things that you do in people. How, how you take broken people and you make them whole. How you take people that look insignificant and do crazy things with them. How you create beauty out of everything that is not beautiful. You hear about that God and you say, I want to know Him. Are you going to give Him your story? Give Him your life and let Him write the next chapter. 
And maybe you're in this place this morning and actually you just sat here thinking, I get it, I hear it. But honestly, my story is too dark for anyone to ever hear. Let me read one of the best passages I have ever come across. This is in Isaiah 58, 10 to 12, in the message version. Okay, this is God, this is a promise. And if you're in this place this morning, you just feel like life never turned out how you thought. And you kind of just need him to redeem all the brokenness and to do something with it. Listen to this, take this in, receive it this morning. It's what God says, your lies will begin to glow in the darkness. Your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. I will always show you where to go and I will give you a full life in the emptiest of places. Firm muscles and strong bones. Listen to this. You will be like a well-watered garden, a gurgling spring that never runs dry. Take this this morning. You will use old rubble of past lives to build anew, to rebuild the foundations from out of your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything, restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate, make the community livable again. What a profound passage. You know, when people look at us in our lives, we'll be known as those who can fix anything. And we know we don't fix anything at all, but we know the fixer, right? But as we start walking around, people will know us. They're the people that just seem to not get rattled by stuff. They're the, they're the people that just seem to have peace when everything's upside down. They're the people that once looked like this and now have been transformed into this. The people that used the debris and the ruins and the crumbled brokenness of our lives. And God has built something new. See, God doesn't want to just take your past and clean it up and sanitize it and make it presentable. He doesn't just want to take it or and throw it out and say, you don't need this, but you just need from like when you met me on. Now, you know what he says? I am a God that redeems. I am a God that repurposes. I am a God that makes old things new, that makes broken things whole. He wants to take your brokenness. And he wants to breathe into it and do something amazing with it. That's the God we're serving. So whatever your story is, however painful, however seemingly boring, your story has power and impact. If you'd like to stand, I'm going to get us to respond to this message. Now, I've been here this been challenged by this in myself like ah but my story is just complicated and it's just ah, just easier to say this is what God's done now but God wants to redeem all that was lost all that was broken we just have to let him so if every eye is closed we're going to sing a song called build my life and this song is about